eventually we ended up buying our own tools and toys that would allow us to clone credit cards and have people working in stores and stealing thousands of credit card details monthly. Any father out there who's committing crime and you've got young kids looking at you, you should be ashamed of yourself. The wealth that you have is thousands of years old and it's been part of creating all of the infrastructure that now we all take part in every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Now, have you ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio, where he plays the role of Frank Abagnale, the serial fraudster who eventually turns himself in and then works with the FBI? Well, this is a similar story. Tony Sales is Britain's greatest fraudster. He's a social engineering expert. Tony was one of the very few people to have ever worked at the summits of both organised crime and fraud and loss prevention. Dubbed Britain's greatest fraudster by the British media, clearly anyone with such a unique skill set is intrinsically valuable to almost any major organisation. Tony now provides advice to some of the world's leading brands and banks on their fraud and loss prevention strategies. The work that Tony undertakes is not just theoretical or academic, his objectives are clear. Fraud and other financial crime prevention and opening people's eyes to what they don't see. He's the co-founder of We Fight Fraud. He leads all operations and is a popular media figure due to his ability to articulate threats, vulnerabilities and solutions. He's a TV regular on BBC's Watchdog and Channel 5's Nailing the Fraudsters, among other shows. Tony Sales is epic and I know you're going to love this guy. Cue the music. Let's get into it. Megaverse, the digital frontier of tomorrow. Megaverse stands at the cutting edge intersection of technology and imagination. It's a virtual realm where the limitless expanse of the digital universe unfolds, offering users unparalleled experiences and interactions. With its advanced metaverse platform, users can craft unique avatars, forge connections, and even establish their own digital estates. It's more than just virtual reality. Megaverse is an expansive digital civilization teeming with opportunities for both individuals and brands. From immersive concerts to revolutionary retail experiences, Megaverse is redefining the way we engage with the digital world. As we stand on the brink of a new era where the lines between our physical reality and the digital realm blur, Megaverse is poised to lead the charge in this brave new world. Dive in and discover a universe without bounds. This really is the future. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. Tony, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been wanting to get you for a while and I've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes before we started and I'm already going, I've got thousands of questions for you. But obviously uh, a lot of people in the Middle East are going to hear about you for the first time. Yeah. And so I'd like to give them a really good understanding of your story so they know exactly who you are mm. and uh, maybe we could just take it from the beginning, childhood and what happened from there onwards. Yeah, sure. Um, so... You know, I was born in a place called Greenwich in South East London. Um, and two days old, my mum and dad both kind of leave. My mum's 17. My dad's a little bit older. Um, but my dad's not really going to be with my mum. Uh, and my mum's young. She wants to have a bit of fun. So 
luckily enough for me, my nan stood up and took care of me, uh, you know, right up until in adulthood, really. <laughs> um, but that, you know, that creates a whole load of issues within a person that as a kid you don't really see. Uh, you don't really understand the issues that are being created because your parents have left. It wouldn't be till years later I would find out, ah, oh, damn, that was the trigger that caused it. Um, so very quickly, you know, at like seven years old, my uncle, um, him and his mates, there was like a pub that had been, so it had been shut actually for about a week. Yeah, it had been shut down for a week. So, but there was all the stock was still left in there. So they knew this. So they literally just uh, took me up on the roof and tied a bit of rope around me. And there was like a hatch. It's actually still there. I went and looked the other day. Yeah. So there's a, there's a hatch in the roof. And they lifted the hatch and they just literally lowered me in to the pub. And I just walked over and opened the door and I was seven when that happened. Um, and then I got a bag of pop and a packet of bags. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, so then, you know, like I, I was kind of immersed in crime. And then I came from a poverty family. My dad, my nan didn't really have much money. You know, the plimp, I used to wear the 199 plimp soles and be the kid that everyone teased and all of that stuff. And that creates something within you that makes you think about things in a different way. Yeah, so like naturally I know now that I'm different. I'm not like the other kids. I don't have a mum and dad. I don't have the access to Nikes and Adidas and I don't have that stuff, right? How do I get it? Like, how can I get that stuff? Uh, can I, I, I tried shoplifting. I didn't like it. Yeah, it just felt a bit too much for me. Like, I, I don't know, there was just something, uh, you know, I tried it and got caught the second time I'd done it. <laughs> and so that was kind of a, oh, I don't like that. That seems too, how can I get around that? And then... We found sponsorship forms, my peer group, my mates, you know, that were all around me. Um, we would go door to door and one week we would do a sponsored jump, a sponsored swim, a sponsored run, a sponsored skate, a sponsored whatever it was to steal their money. Um, and that just kind of really you start, you know, you're just nicking people's money. You're making a few quid, but it's not upscalable enough. You know, you can't upscale that in that way you have to <laughs> how do you as a criminal you're always looking for ways of upscale to get to mega bucks right so like as a kid when i'm doing this stuff i mean we're 12 13 when we're doing that uh we're always looking for other ways and then we would just try different types of things and then i met a geezer when i was 15 who he gave us some debit and credit cards, it was called Track 2 information that was like on the back of a, a Premier Points card, Argos Premier Points card. What, the card. magnetic strip? Yeah, the magnetic strip it is on the back, yeah? And that's called a Track 2. So this guy gave us some and said, look, if you know any people that work internally in any shops, you can swipe them through, go through for 50, 100 quid, I'll sell you the car for 30 quid and like you can go a few times. So I took a few of these things, you know, like he gave them to us and just like was like, go on, go and see and then like, because I don't mind talking and I'll talk my way in and like, all right, do you, do you want to earn a few quid on the side? And then all of a sudden, you've got internal members of staff that are willing to swipe those cards through and give you cash back for it. So I, I built up a good little network of that. But again, there's only so far that you can go with that. Yeah, How do you upscale that process of being able to get out there to everyone? And then eventually we ended up buying our own tools and toys that would allow us to clone credit cards and have people working in stores and stealing thousands of credit card details monthly. 
Um, and that kind of run for a few years and I dipped in and out of crime. I tried to become straight. I realised, you know, this is not a good life that you don't want to be leading. You don't want to get, you know, and I battled through that throughout, you know, my teens right through to my early 20s, late 20s, you know, learning about crime in all different ways. I mean, eventually I would be doing mortgage frauds and working for organised crime rings. When people steal their money, they would run off with, you know, the crime group that I work with, they would run off with their money. Um, and then the boys would show up, the enforcers, and instead of killing them, they would bring them to me. And I'd say, okay, so how do we work out how we get this money back that you've stolen? Um, and that's where my job lied. And so by doing that, I learned how to pull multiple scams. I learned how to do multiple things, you know. I'm playing with people with real ID that we don't have to worry about if police are coming because these people are doing it anyway, yeah. So I learned all of the triggers. Every single nook and cranny can ask real hard questions of the people that I'm doing this stuff at and see what the answers are coming back. So my fraud brain is growing massively and acquiring knowledge like never before, you know, and that, that was lethal and I, I carried on doing that for years. So, uh, yeah, and then again, I, I kind of, uh, I'd done, we used to go and get TVs. Um, like, people always used to laugh at me, like, why are you getting tellies? Like, I used to say, because they're three grand each. Like, and I know if I get 10, that's 15 grand in one day. How many days you got to do to get one of these transfer things? Because back then what they call account takeovers now was like a new thing, yeah? It was like, it wasn't kind of popping in that way. And I'd do them, but they weren't really that great. They were hit and miss. So I'm a, a man that likes consistency. Like in any business, yeah, I want to keep it consistent. So I've got wages to pay. I've got vehicles on the road, fuel, tax, insurance, all of these right things that I have to have as a running business. I've got a whole load of outlay, so I have to have consistency. So... If I got 10 tellers a day and three of my mates get 10 tellers a day, we're into a lot of money in one day, more than any of them account transfers back then. Where were you getting the tellers from? All different types of places. So back then you had like Alders, you had um, House of Fraser. Um, so they're warehouses? They, well, these were, uh, so no, they're not warehouses. They're um, like uh, department stores. Yeah, so that you take them out of the department stores. Yeah, instant. Go up, get the credit instantly and just walk out with a telly. Because otherwise, like, if you're really into crime, a bank robber doesn't go into the bank and go, I'm going to leave the money here and come back and pick it up in a minute. They're taking it out there and then, yeah. yeah? Like, so I'm still in that mode then of I want it now, here and now, and quick cash for me always served me quite well, you know. Very quickly, you can accumulate a mass of money. You know, I remember one weekend, me and my mate went and done, we just hammered it, me and him, yeah, we just went to one specific part of the UK with three vans and just me and him, I called my brother, he took a van, I took a van and I called my brother who had a big Luton down and we just hit it. And at the end of it, I had enough money to buy 10 vans and open up a, like, a van hire business. Yeah, like, because it was that easy back then, you know? Like, and I'm causing devastation that I don't even realise I'm causing, like, because I'm so locked in my own selfish ways at that time that I'm, I don't care about no one else. I care about me. It's my survival and where I need to get to. I'm totally locked in survival of humanity at that point. So that journey was crazy, you know? Like, and it ended with me getting caught in Sheffield where they took down, like, a whole load of us. And, you know, I, I would then 
on that one, I jumped bow and went on the run for six years. So I stayed as a fugitive for six years. Just kind of, I calmed everything down. I would do little bits and pieces here and there, but I just calmed everything down. I'd accumulated quite a bit of wealth. I had enough money to stay on the run and stay as a fugitive. I rented loads of different properties. And when you're doing what I was doing, money really wasn't a problem. Like a lot of criminals struggle to get money. You have different levels of criminal, a bit like the class system that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You have the same thing in crime, right? So you've got the class system within crime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started at the floor. Yeah. And I worked my way up to the very top, yeah, of where you're involved with people with things that are happening. But learning all that stuff through that progress, yeah, and it changes you as a person. Being on the run, having all that stuff happen to you, you know, like it really changes how you are and your DNA. Talk to me about being on the run because I met Ronnie Biggs mm -hmm. when I lived in Brazil years and years ago. And obviously he's a great train rover and he'd been on the run for all that time and I met his son and whatnot. And, and you know, he would recount stories of, of what it was like. But, mm. you know, if you look at then to see the, 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 the movie where Buster's out there and all that kind of stuff's taking place and they can't, they can't be away for that long because mm. they miss home and stuff. Yeah. Where did you go? <laughs> what did it feel like? And, and what did you miss more than anything else? So I didn't have to go nowhere. I stayed here. Uh, I'm a fraudster who's capable to make IDs. So when you've got the skill that I've got, it's very easy to just change who you are like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's exactly what I've done. Um, I went to Ronnie Biggs' funeral. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I never got to meet Ronnie, but I've got a really good friend who knew Ronnie really well. Um, I got to uh, hear some of his stories from his closest friends of stuff that has, has happened. So... Um, I was never in that league of, you know, that's not, uh, he spent so many years of his life on the run, you know, but he built a different life. And all I can yeah. say is, is that after the first probably year, your brain changes, you kind of the worry that you've got every day of being caught goes away and where he would have been so far detached until they try to get him back. Yeah. And like all the stories that, you know, there's some naughty stories about how they try to manipulate to get him back. Um, would have been terrifying for him. But again, he would have had, he's had training his whole life for these moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, this is what I was saying to you previously. When you, when someone like me goes to jail, I'm not scared of prison because my whole life has been building towards it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's no change. So if like what I was saying to you, if you think of a, a life as a monopoly board, you know, I'm born in the brown part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and prisons facing me, definitely. Yeah, I wasn't born in this part, this part, or this part. Yeah, here's yeah, the money. The, the, let's make sure that the, the ones that aren't watching this but listening to this can understand it. So, because I think it's really contextual and really important. Yeah. So, uh, on a Monopoly board, a, a British Monopoly board, anyway, I think we start with the Old Kent Road, don't Old we? Old Kent Road, yeah. Okay, yeah, and then we go around to Blue, which I think is Pentonville. Pentonville, yeah. 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 And, and, and so, that side of the Monopoly board, the top corner there is where the jail is. Yes, exactly. Yeah? Right. And so, just in that top corner. So, as you, as you go past the start, go, you go past essentially the, the more working class areas. Exactly. Up to the jail. Yeah. And then as you go away from the jail, it it's essentially... behind you, the prison that is now behind you. It slowly it can still better. happen to you. But the further you go round into the riches of the Monopoly board, so as you finally get round to, to Park, Park Lane, Lane and Mayfair, Mayfair yeah. it's extremely difficult to go backwards to prison because the amount of wealth that you've accumulated yeah. is going to allow you to stay away from that. In fact, the wealth that you have is thousands of years old and it's been part of creating all of the infrastructure that now we all take part in every day.
But also, you have to pay to get out of jail on a Monopoly board. So with the wealth that you've created from your houses and your hotels in Mayfair, it's a piece of cake if you've exactly. got to pay to get out. Whereas on the old Kent Road, it's a big chunk of change. Exactly. Yes, okay. Per okay, that's, that's what the a great example. done perfectly. Okay. Know? It shows it in a perfect way. And socially engineering, which is what I talk about consistently, you know, governments around the world worked out how to socially engineer all of us long before I worked out how to use it against people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's really important that we have control of people. Because if we just had a whole load of people being able to do what they want, yeah, like over the years I've had arguments with prison abolishing people, yeah, where they talk about abolishing prisons. And I said, well, are you going to deal with the really bad ones when they come out then? Because there are, the fact of it is, yeah, is there are some really bad criminals that we can never let out, of course. But you have to look at the level of trauma that they would have experienced. Because no, there's not one criminal on the planet, yeah, that doesn't experience some form of, that made me do it. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of what we are as a society, right? And so... Desire, all it is a really good show on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know how much Netflix you guys get over in the Middle East, but it's called uh, the Chimp Empire. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant, yeah, because it shows you how chimpanzees act as part of their society. There's natural hierarchy, there's violence, there's control, there's all of the social engineering. So there's one part of it where a chimp comes over to one of the other chimps to get some food of where they've just killed some monkeys that are up in the trees, right? And they totally shun him because they want him to feel the pain of, no, you've behaved badly. And so, like, that is part of our natural process as humans to do that. And there's people that are, will be controlled by that continuously. These are the bits that criminals tap into constantly. Interesting. Okay, so you, you're, you're on the run. You've got family? Yeah, I've got a family, yeah. And so the family are with you? The family are with me. They don't know they're on the run. So no um, one knows they're on the run. No. And are you are you moving across the country bit by bit, or are you just moving around no, I'm just around, moving London? around London? I'm just staying in the suburbs of London um, and just staying out. I kind of got a name that I can drive around in. I've got a car all registered in that name. I've got it's, I've got I've got properties all registered in my aliases. Yeah, to see because if the police go to one of the aliases. I'm kind of going to know in my head, I thought I'm going to know where they are in their investigation. Not that you could ever know where they are in their investigation, but at that time, that's what my thinking was. So, and so how old were you when that was happening? Uh, I was in my early 30s. And apart from you and, and maybe the CPS because you'd skip bail, mm. did, did your, your, your community of friends and acquaintances know that you were on the run? My, my, my organised crime gang knew that I was on the they, run. They knew? Yeah. Yeah, they knew that I was on the run because you need protection. Like, you can only tell certain people, mm. right? Because, like, when you get, like, there's grasses, there's all different types of people that are going to try and, like, you get haters, right? Mm. Like, even though you're not, try you're not trying to get no haters, yeah. you get a hater, yeah? And the hater will absolutely try and stab you in the back as many times as you can. So you've got to be really careful about who you tell your secrets to. So I had a trusted network of, and different people from different places that I could trust, you know, not everyone together. So if something happened there, I could trigger a move over there. Like, if something happened there, I could go over there, yeah? But once I got with my, you know, once I was with my boys, it was... It was all all right. You just kind of didn't really worry about any of that stuff. They would drive. I would be my name. I got stopped by the police loads of times. Never, ever once triggered it. There was one woman police officer that once said, you look like someone. I don't know who it is. She went, but you really look like someone. But she accepted my fake name that I gave and uh, sent me upon my way. Um, and then, it, you know, when it comes to an end, I was in a petrol garage in Essex. And... Um, 
I'd gone there to see one of my mates and just two eagle-eyed coppers had just spotted a poster up of me within there, um, whatever. And I walked in, I was wearing shorts, flip-flops, driving. And um, the copper come over to me and he went, just went, what's your name? And um, I gave him the moody name, yeah. And he just literally said, something must have happened, yeah. It must have been flagged. So I changed my name in Essex, yeah. And I think that that solicitor had then flagged something, yeah into that with the going on the run stuff it must have by the time it's all filtered down it's now triggered into that bit yeah and um the copper said there's two warrants out for your arrest i said oh no not for me right and he went no definitely for you mate right so i said oh really like that so he went yeah so he went um just come over here for a minute we just want to search us so like he then cuffed me yeah and once he cuffed me i was like look just let me have a fag and have a cigarette and uh he let me have a cigarette and then we we once we got back to the station, he was like, oh my God, like you've been on the run for years. I said, I've had enough. Like I was just kind of like, you know, I actually done that on the spot. I literally fainted because it, when it's all there, you know, like it's all over. The lie is over. The lie is over. I don't have to lie to no one no more. Yeah? And I've been keeping up all these shenanigans for all this time. It just absolutely destroys you mentally. Like it really does. Yeah. Like, I was emotional, so I got in the police station and um, like there's so it's a, so I come in the police station and let's say the police station is just outside where we was, right? So I've kind of looked at the cop and went, look, I've just got to go upstairs and get your paperwork. I'll be back down in a minute. Yes, I said, no worries. There's a door like this. So with a little window. So I look through the window. There's a phone on the table. So I just quickly tried the door. The door's open. I slid in now and just dialed nine, got an outside line and called my missus, yeah, and just, blabbered no I was just in tears yeah because I'm just like look this has just been going on for so long I've had enough like oh I'm just really sorry like she's just like what <laughs> what can't believe it. what are you talking about I thought you dealt with that all them years ago and I'm like no nah, I told you I dealt with it but look so then she didn't talk to me for months until she come to visit me, you know, and then I got out a little while after she come to visit, visit me anyway. Um, so but you, did you go on remand? or did? You... So I only went on remand for three days because the judge that I jumped bail from had requested that we go back in front of him. Mm -hmm. And But what had happened was, in my absence, the judge had set a precedent, yeah? So one of my co-defendants had a cancer scare. Like, he was fully on as cancer, you know, he's got it, Yeah. So the judge took leniency on him because he was an older man. But by doing that, he set a precedent within the sentencing. Yeah, so there was two of us outstanding on the... Well, there's three of us outstanding on the run, yeah? One went to Spain. The other one stayed here with me but just kind of worked about. And then the other one got caught first. And then the judge gave him 21 months but set his position as number one in the conspiracy. So now I dropped down the par was the same as the other guy who just got 18 months probation. Yeah, so in actual fact, the whole time, I'd never, ever, ever have gone on the run if I'd have known that I was going to get 12 months. Yeah, I would have just gone and dealt with it because, like I said, I don't care about prison. I'm not scared of it. Yeah. I thought I was going to get five years, yeah? At the beginning, this is what my brief was telling me, right? And then my wife got pregnant with my daughter, and I, there was no way I was going to miss the bonding period with my daughter. I'm a man who's got three sons. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. finally getting a girl. Yeah, I'm not going to miss that period with her. So I took the opportunity to run. And when I was caught, I explained that to the judge. Yeah, and the judge took leniency on me because he believed my story. Do you know what I mean? And that, that was it. So I got 12 months and then six months later I was out. 
Um, or yeah, it was a bit less than that. It was four months, I think, because I lost a, bit, a little bit. And then tag stuff happened, and there's just like a whole load of rubbish that happens around all that stuff. Um, but I, so when my wife comes to visit me, she brings my son, who's now just finished university. Uh, same, same as me. He's the first in my family to do that. Yeah. Um, she's holding his hand, and he's just crying as they walk into the visiting hall and I'm looking over and I was just like, ah, oh, what's going on? Like, and then she comes over and she goes, I said, what's up with him? She goes, what do you think was up with him? You're in prison. He's not spent no time with his dad. Why do you think he's upset? And like at that moment, kind of everything just in my head was just, do I want to continue my life? making my kids ashamed of what I'm doing or upsetting my own kids, pushing my trauma that I've got to my, my kids, right? <sighs> knowing that, as a man, as a father, knowing that, what sort of man or father would I be if I continued that journey? You know, that, that's not good. Mm. Like, and any father out there who's committing crime and you've got young kids looking at you, you should be ashamed of yourself because the reality is when you come out of that zone in your mind, yeah, that crime really doesn't pay. No matter how much money you get, I've got more money than, I got to more money than most criminals are ever going to get to in their life, apart from the ones right at the very top of the tree, right? Um, what did it achieve? What did I get out of that? Mm. You no, know, I, I, I don't get, I'm not interested in being who's the toughest, who's the hardest, talking on a million podcasts, saying my story a million times, telling people how good I am at what I do. It's not me. That's not in me to be like that. Yeah, I'm not here to so, do them. So I, I, I can empathise with that. You know, you're sitting there. It's almost like you become ashamed because you yeah. of what you've done because of the impact yeah. it has on your children. And, you know, what, what kid would want to, you know, have to keep saying their dad's in jail? Yeah. Was that a line in the sand that was, like, never to be broken again? Yeah. Or was it a line in the sand that you did creep over occasionally for a period of time? No, you can't creep over that line. It's okay. not a game. It's not... I'm not joking about it. It's oh. not... I'm not pretending to be an ex-con. Like, some of the others that are out there pretending, mm. yeah, when they're all really up to naughtiness in the background, yeah? They're just pointless, right? So, so making that decision... You know, I, 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 I'll give you other examples of human psychology. There was a woman a couple of years ago mm. that won Slimmer of the Year. Mm. And she lost more weight than anybody else in the UK, whatever it was. She was sitting, eating a McDonald's in the car park of some McDonald's. Two kids came past, threw their burgers in her face through the window. So they have that too fat so. Mm. And in that moment, mm. She was like, never again, mm. like never again. And up until that point, she'd always had problems with, with her diet and food and overweight and obesity and stuff. But it was like, never again. And for me, it's like, and then she went on and she's completely changed her life because that one moment was so significant for her. Mm. You seeing your boy crying, that had such significance to you, that feeling that, uh, that, that he would be ashamed of his dad or embarrassed for his dad or whatever that might be was so significant for you that it was like never again. Yeah, like I suppose if you work out when it happens and it's your own flesh and blood there crying in front of you, yeah, you have to think, I've done that. That's me that's caused that. I'm here. He's crying because I'm here. You have to think about that logically and think, 
well, how do I stop that? Or how do I make that better? Money ain't made it better because he's had money. He's had every game, every console, everything that he's ever needed. He's still crying. I'm still pushing trauma onto him, yeah? What's going to stop that? The reality is what's going to stop that is his dad being there for him throughout his life, constantly trying to give... Because if he thinks I'm a clown who's got no worth in the society because I'm constantly in and out of jail, how can he hold any respect for who I am? Yeah, so I have to show him, look, I've been through a whole load of stuff, son, yeah? My life's traumatised massively. But look, I'm going to show you what it takes to really pull yourself together and change what you are, yeah? Because by changing who you are, I'm changing how I, he perceives me as his father, and so do all my other kids, you know? And, and potentially their outcomes in life too. Exactly, yeah? And that moves on to all of them. And so that's impact for my own family, which is what all I could have hoped for. Mm. I didn't want to create, like people say, ah, oh, you know, we do this to to make change. Like most of these people that talk about making change are talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're talking about what they're doing in the in I'm doing this and I'm doing that. You know, I don't talk about I'm doing, yeah, I just let you see it. How long did it take you from that moment to start planning and saying to yourself, my future is going to look different, mm. how it's gonna look different, and what impact you felt you needed to make? Um <laughs> I actually went back to the wing and I said, right, I'm going to work in Lost Prevention. <laughs> and they're like, those three guys just looked at me as if to say, what are you talking about, you madman? Yeah, like, so, you know, I was kind of, uh, once I'd changed, I knew that I wanted to work in preventing fraud somehow, right? I just knuckled down in jail. I actually, I, I started playing tennis um, and short tennis. In jail? Uh, in jail, yeah. So you get like, so it, like I was in a D category jail in the end, yeah. So I finished up there and that kind of like was where she'd come to visit me, yeah. So by the time it's there, she's come to visit me in open surroundings. And that was, it was much better because we got to talk about all the stuff that had happened, right? And me explain to my son and tell him all of that stuff. But when I go back, I then know that, okay, I have to train, I have to get my mind right because all this time I've been thinking about who I am and what I want and my needs and what I care about, yeah? I haven't taken into consideration my own family and now what do I want to portray to people that I am in what I'm doing? Like, so once you've been in the position that I've been in, it's really difficult to come out of jail and go to a bank and go, hey, my name's Tony, I'd like to help you with your loss prevention strategies. <laughs> Just kind of don't work, yeah? <laughs> Um, and so I did try that and I reached out to a couple of conferences and no one was really interested in the beginning. And then I met, I went to this conference, it was at London Bridge, and I met a guy who's still a friend today, a guy called Alan Smith. Um, and it was, I, I met this company that were doing like what's really an OTP now, so a one-time passcode, yeah, but this is kind of like the very early days of it, yeah? Um and we was talking and like, they were like, oh, you've, you was an ex-criminal. I said, yeah, yeah, I've just been, you know, I've been out a couple of years for fraud, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I've got some really good ideas. Like, I've got, I think that, I think you're going in a direction that's wrong. And they were all looking like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, like how do you mean that we're wrong? Because they just couldn't see the stuff that they see now. Mm. It was very different then. Um, so I then applied to talk at some conferences, got knocked back. And then through chance, I met a journalist called Graham Johnson. 
who at the time was doing some stuff for a company called VBS TV, which would then turn into Vice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I made a documentary with them called How to Get Away with Stealing, which just basically showed the world how far you are behind. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're thinking that it's this, this is what's really happening. Yeah. And that went viral. And that, I mean, like, and, you know, I mean, I didn't even know. I'm not even looking at it. No, no, because I've just done me. Yeah? I don't care about all that. I'm not looking at it, watching it or anything. Yeah. And then one of my mates thinks, and he goes, bruv, that thing's got 4 million views. I was like, what? He went, it's got 4 million views, bruv. Go and look at it. So then when I went and looked at it, it had like 20,000 comments. I was like, wow, like, this is just going mad. And then a geezer called DPR shared it. Right, and DPI is the Dread Pirate Roberts, for those of you that don't know. Dread Pirate Roberts, yeah. So his name's Ross Ulbrich, yeah. So Ross is serving a prison sentence for today for creating something called the Silk Road, yeah, yeah which I'm sure that many people have heard about, right? Um, his last shared video is my video. So if you go onto his YouTube page today, you can still see it. it's got How to Get Away with Stealing. It's still his last shared video. So <laughs> that showed me that the fraud community, the underworld fraud community, and the new community that's out there is absolutely understanding everything that I'm saying because the, what I'd spotted, it's all about data. Yeah, this thing of data, and I've been consuming it, stealing it, using it since I was a kid. Yeah, so I'm totally immersed in this data world, yeah, and understanding all the stuff you can do with it. And that's really powerful, yeah? Like, that becomes a really powerful tool for a big enterprise-level corporate, yeah, to say to them, look, you've got this problem. Have you seen it? Yeah? And so slowly, I started to, after that documentary, I literally just sent it to a conference director who said, we'd love to have you to speak. And that kick-started everything. Um, it just kind of set it on its way, you know? I was still really naive and didn't really understand how the legitimate side of business work because in the past, if I had a problem, I'd just send the boys around and the deal gets done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is like a different side of it, yeah? Like, I have to be really calm and collected and understand each person's need and why they're acting in that way and gain trust and all of these things. And over, so I've been doing this now for over a decade. Um, and... I've gained some amazing colleagues. I've gained some amazing people in my life that have absolutely changed the way that I think that's led to changes within society. You know, like fraud now is in a much better place because of the stuff that I spoke about. And that's just a fact. No matter whether anyone likes it or not, mm -hmm. that's just a fact. I predicted ransomware attacks before it happened. I've got the evidence of predicting it. And the thousands of people that would have seen me speak in 2011 because I've done conferences everywhere talking about this stuff, everyone used to talk about big data and how it was amazing. And I come along and went, look, I'm going to steal it. And once I've done that, you lot are in trouble. And that was the first time they'd heard that, yeah? And I said that if I was a criminal in today's age, instead of kidnapping people and holding them for ransom, I would do that to their data. In 2013, the first ransomware attack happens. And today, it is the number one crime on the planet. And that's because, you know, it's such an obvious migration of crime. It really is, yeah? Okay, but a lot of people won't understand that. So let's, let's give... Let's give the audience a little bit of context or maybe a couple of examples yeah um because you're talking about data and, and ransomware give me give me a a a, a very typical example uh, of of what that would look like um so let's say for instance you receive an email 
yeah, that comes through into your email inbox, yeah? It looks like it's from Spencer and his podcast, yeah? But really, there's a hyphen in it that you didn't check, right? You click on the link. Spencer's asking, can you just update your payment information, yeah? Of course I can. So now you go in and you update your payment information. Or I've sent it to one of your staff as part of the company. And can you update your payroll information? Please log into the portal now. Once you do that, you're logging into a portal that's controlled by a hacker in the background, right? You've you've gone onto a spoof site that looks exactly the same, yeah? It doesn't look any different. It functions exactly the same as what you think. No spelling mistakes like they all think that there is. They're a different kind of phishing that they're looking for, yeah? Um, <laughs> these targeted ransomware attacks are specifically purposefully to take over an administrator's role within a company and lock their data down, encrypt it, so they can then call you up and say, hey, do you want to buy your data back? I've got it, yeah? And now that so most, most enterprise-level companies around the world spend millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to prevent this stuff, yeah? Trying to stop this happening. And no one's ever going to tell you they've securely done it. That's because there is no fix. It's us that is the weakest link, and that's how we get better. So if I can now utilize, and I know all that stuff, right, I can send you a phishing email that's going to get me access to your system that will allow me to encrypt your data, that will allow me to ransomware you for Bitcoin, yeah? So that's what's happening on a massive scale. And of course, the other side of it is you have social engineering, which is where people here in the UK, we've had a massive onslaught of people claiming to be calling you from their, your bank. So they'll call you up, they'll say, look, I'm calling you from your bank. If you check the back of your card, you can check that the number's me. And that's what they call phone spoofing. Again, in the same presentation where I said data was the new cash a decade ago, I told everyone, look, I actually rung a person up from what I, what I devised was a Wi-Fi hack, yeah? I got some information and I was able to get a telephone number. From the telephone number, I was able to ring the victim and coerce them into giving me their credit card information. That in a real attack would have led to me diverting their mail, opening up a bank account, and ultimately stealing their home from All cyber attacks have a physical human element within them. There's no computers on the planet serving prison sentences anywhere. If there are, I'd like to go and visit them. Because there just isn't, you know? It's always a human behind it. So as long as we bear that in mind, we're up against another human. You can start to make people more aware of this stuff, yeah? But criminals get smarter and the attacks don't stop. You know, they continue to come. The, 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 what are the most common scams that are taking place nowadays? What are the ones that we, we see happening more than anything else? Uh, so at the moment, I'd say it's phone spoofing because they know that's kind of on its last knockings, as they called it. Oh, really? Um, there's, yeah, I mean, it's not, <coughs> for the criminal they'll be moving on because the more resources that get thrown at that part of it, they'll move on to a different, you know, a different scam. And I always say this to people, there are no new scams, by the way. Everything is an old scam with a new spin, right? Mm -hmm. So phishing, back in the old days, you used to have something called Spanish letters where they put loads of letters in bottles and just send them out. It's a phishing campaign. If you look at what that is today, you know, a phishing campaign for a fraudster is... I'll send out thousands of emails. That's one of our scams that can happen, yeah? Clicking on, understanding what you're clicking on. As society, we don't like to click when we think something's malicious. But the truth of this thing is, to get a one-click hack is state. Okay? A normal hacker 
is going to find that extremely difficult to do, especially these Wally ones that run around on Facebook stealing people's identity, yeah? Those are not really serious state hackers, okay? These state hackers can do one-click vulnerabilities. They're extremely rare. They're going to target politicians, all those kind of people, yeah? For the normal people like us, when you get a malicious link, it's going to ask you to click it. When you click it, it's going to ask you to put information in. So if you go on Facebook, Instagram, any of these things, and you receive a message and you click it and it asks you, please log into the platform, whether it be Insta, Facebook, any of that stuff, don't do it. Because if you're logged in on your phone, your phone should be, if it's a reputable site, it will. It has a plugin in the background that allows it to sync. What single sign-in and away it goes. Yeah, that's what's meant to happen. If you're coming outside of that, I'm not saying that it could be a bad company, but the likelihood is it probably is. So understand where you put your passwords and email addresses, yeah? And they're the sort of scams that you'll see coming. So that's probably the biggest one that people see is their social media getting hacked listener-wise, right? And phishing-wise, that's what happens. And then you've got the WhatsApp messages, mum, dad, uh, I need help. Uh, can you send me some money? They're really high up on the list at the moment. Really? Yeah, they're really high up on the list at the moment. Um, there's, God, there's so many. You know, like I said, people claiming to be from banks. Invoice fraud. So if you're a company, um, invoice fraud, actually the number one growing crime, I think, here in the UK. I'm sure I heard a stat like that the other day. I'm pretty sure in the Middle East it'll be quite high because it pops up out of Singapore. It's such a sophisticated crime. Yeah, but again, it's just social engineering. Can you pay this invoice? Set us up as a payer. Pay the invoice. These are real things that happen that we see every day, yeah? Um, I always say to people, if someone's ringing you and they're trying to cause you fear or panic or putting you under pressure, it's normally a scam. Investment scams are happening. Pension scams are continuously happening. You know, there's, the scammers are continuously looking to take people's money in whatever way that they can. And, that, and a lot of that has got to do with society. And I talk about this a lot. There seems to be three things that, that if you're selling anything for a living, there's three things that people want to buy and you make a lot of money selling them. One yeah. would be a, a tablet that people could lose 20 kilos in the next four weeks. Yeah. That'd be a bit a big seller. Um, another one would be uh, a million followers. Everyone wants a million followers. Yeah. And the other one is get rich quick. Everyone wants to make a lot of money quickly. Yeah. And so the, the, if you can provide some form of sales pitch yeah okay where you can promote how you can you know make a load of money very quickly people get sucked into it cryptocurrency was the greatest example of that in greed. recent years you know greed absolutely yeah. people get sucked in and like, hold on a minute if I put a thousand pounds in bitcoin it could be twenty five thousand yeah. pounds in four weeks I a masterclass on it called the seven deadly sins of social engineering okay so because like you know these are pressure points that you can push as a criminal pre you know guilt love they're all there, you know, like, and they're all trigger points. If you're trying to manipulate someone into giving you their money, you know, these are things that we should all be conscious of, of when your bank is never going to put you under pressure. Yeah, they're not going to put you into a position where you've got to do it right now. You know, that's the reality of it. And there's a myth that your banks will never call you. Well, my bloody bank calls me every day. Yeah, yeah. So what are you talking about? Yeah, so let's stop getting that myth because that's confusing the message across the board as well. Yeah. And people, once... We do confusion. We're going to have half and half. Well, the half that are confused, the fraudster still hits them. The other half that might think about it and get themselves out of it are a bit more mm -hmm. aware of the knowledge that they've got. But the confusion that comes in through a lot of media stuff that's created, creates and continues to 
push the problem. And, you know, I did. The text, the Sunday text that we all got here in the UK, the warning text. So they've done a warning text here a couple of Sundays ago. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah where they text the whole country. I mean, I was like, what a great one for a fraudster. You know, so the next day in the in my PowerPoint presentation that I do to corporate, so I showed them, look, this is what I could do. If I, if I do this, this is how it's going to look. And I just literally just changed the message to click here and add your information. And now, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a text. Most people don't know that that comes via a different service, MMS, and it isn't going to go through your text service and it's going to be this or that. Most people are not even listening to that bit. Mm -hmm. And so you tap into it, you know. There was iSpoof, they've done a really good one where they, the police text out saying, can you, uh, can you text this number if you was a victim in? I mean, the criminal's just going to jump straight on that with another number saying, please text your information here. Because that's what they do. But the police have to do that stuff because they want to get the people in but then you see loads of people sharing it and I'm just sitting there thinking oh no this is just imagine and we, we won't have seen that happen yet you know because the time hasn't caught up with that that's still ongoing but I can guarantee you that that's going to come out in a bit because it's so obvious Catch Me If You Can the movie um, with it's a great film um, Leonardo DiCaprio in yeah. when he was busy doing the uh, the funniest part of that I always thought was because I come from an era where I used to make m m model aeroplanes and I used to put the stickers on the wings and stuff when, yeah. I, was, when I was a kid was how they used to take those transfers off and put them on the checks on. Whether that was real or not, I don't know, but I liked it in the movie. Yeah, He went then on to to essentially provide a service to the to the FBI where he could identify frauds that were taking place. Mm. Um, when when you look at the the... the, the the, essentially the skills that you learn along the way, mm. your skills became really valuable to the other side because mm. you could see what they couldn't see. Yeah, I mean, my business partner today is the ex-head of fraud for the Metropolitan Police. So, I mean, he will tell you that he's worked, he worked as a you know, high-ranking police officer for a lot of years, right? He was in the police force for 30 years, right? Um, and he's, he'll tell you that you can't think like me. Because like, he's seen it, you know, we go and test big businesses of where we get, you know, a, a big business will, and we're starting to move into smaller businesses now because they need help, right? So I've just made an offering for them just so that, because... Here's what I was going to say there. If I came to you and I said, right, I've got this situation. So so, so just so you know some of my background, I, yeah. I own a wealth management business in yeah. Dubai. yeah. A fully regulated, licensed official yeah. business. Um, however, lots of lots of times people come to us for different products and services. Say, you know, you know, would you, we'd like you to sell this to your clients, yeah, and whatnot. And we have a rigorous process, yeah. However, there are people that get caught out by scams, yeah, of course. Okay, that they invest a lot of money into something that mm. isn't real. They see the the marketing material. They then see the the, the 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 PowerPoint presentation or the terms and conditions and they read that through and with their limited understanding of the legal jargon that goes with it, they then entrust their money into it because it's going to pay them X percent return over a period of time, whatever it may be. Do you help companies or help individuals that have those types of problems? So let's say I came to you and I've been scammed out of a million quid. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm not interested in investigations because that billion's <clears throat> gone, right? Um, okay. What I'm interested in is stopping that from happening. Yeah. So, so you take the you take the knowledge that's gathered through that scam. You say, right, how do I in the future make sure that can't ever be done again? Exactly. Yeah. So then you kind of then lock everything down. You know, it, it, a lot of what <clears throat> I do in today is will be a bank will come to us, for instance, and they'll say, okay, look, we've got a problem with onboarding. Um, we're taking on clients. Can you have a look at our onboarding process for us? So we'll look. 
Um, and then very quickly we were able to open up a bank account and start functioning using the bank account to put funds through so we could be showing money laundering, you know, like all of these things because the KYC, yeah, to know your customer or mm-hmm. know your criminal as we call it. Um, <laughs> I've never heard it called that before, yeah, KYC, know your client, but know yeah. your criminal, good, yeah. So we kind of like show it in a different light. So it's very difficult for ind- to articulate the messages needed for an individual. The boredom levels, if you're working and it's part of your work, tick box training is notoriously boring, yeah? I figured out a way of making it really exciting, yeah? And that's because of Crooks. So I write a drama series called Crooks, which is, it shows you all of the little red flags, but it's like Hollywood level, yeah? This is like higher quality, really high-end Netflix drama, yeah? That shows you in a way that's so simple, but then in the background, we show the enterprises of how to lock down on it all and how this needs to be stopped. This is where it starts. This is how you get there. And just give them all of that add-ons to their tick box training that they're meant to be doing every day. So raising awareness is key um, to helping other people, you know, uh, taking those stories, like I said, and playing them out within a drama or talking about them in a different way allows awareness to be risen in that way. So that's how I would help those sort of people that have lost more money or put them in touch with the reporting process that they need to do, yeah? We have a community um, at We Fight Fraud that's free to everyone. Everyone can join it. Once a month, we do a Q&A with me and Solomon, who's my other business partner. So Solomon's a 25-year-old Asperger's super hacker who is he's a genius. He's just uh, never playing against chess. He's just unbelievable. <laughs> um, so he... He allows us to show how hacks take place and, you know, what hacks take place and how it's possible. And in a way that's really good because he understands all of it and all of the things that are going on and how he does his stuff and how we do our stuff. He's different to how the rest of the industry acts. Um, There are some really good testing companies out there that test companies as well, Um, but we're all kind of different and we're all in different spaces. So awareness, training, testing all of these things that we can do for companies you can't do them unless it's a high net worth individual high net worth individuals are people in much need of them sort of tests because you have to understand the vulnerabilities these things are an absolute nightmare when you know how to do what we can do with them yeah like and unless you've got cyber security on your phone you really are at risk um that's just the reality of it if you're connecting to free public okay well, let's just, hold on but let's just uh, what cyber security would you need on your phone so i don't so all cyber security can be broken as well um, depending on the level of the hacker that you're facing, okay? So never, so VPNs can all be broken. I know in Dubai you have problems about VPNs and stuff. I don't know yeah, how they are. Yeah, we can't use now. WhatsApp calls can't without use a VPN, WhatsApp, yeah. yeah, without a VPN and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But VPNs are legal to use in Dubai. Yeah, so they're illegal, yeah. But they, they're illegal to use. People use them, but yeah. they're illegal to so use. So here in the UK, I mean, I would advise people that you have to use a VPN. And the reason being is because we are under masses of attack. Or When you go on the, on the open web, at any point, you can lose your information, your session time, your all of these things. Someone like Solomon can be sitting in the background and monitoring everything. Yeah, so it's really important to understand what those processes are. And I know that they're illegal in a lot of the Middle East. Yeah. They're, so, so a VPN is is will help protect. Yeah, VPN help it helps to protect you. It's a because it doesn't mechanism. doesn't give away your identity. Doesn't give away your identity. Program, yeah. Yes, they can be used for malicious purposes. Okay, but if you've got good hacking teams in the background, you can unmask them. If you're government level, I can unmask a VPN with Solomon. He can unmask. He eats them for breakfast. So 
Like, you know, these so we should use the, what else should we have? Should, I mean, because you, so you should have, have these Norton antivirus and all yeah, this kind of stuff. Yeah, you should have some form of, um, you should have some form of, um, I, I don't advise any products in the marketplace, okay? So I, I don't endorse anything because if sure. you're in my position where we are, yeah, um, we know the breakage points of these companies. We know that how to break them. Uh, I wouldn't want to say, yeah, you should get that one because you just know somewhere along the line someone's going to say, you said get this one and look, this happened to me. Yeah, yeah? Like course, it's even yeah. happened to me with, I, I used LastPass, yeah, which got caught in a hack. But it's understanding what information you've got to give them or what sites that they're on, you know, like on LinkedIn, for instance, I always get people coming up to me and going, oh, we got your email address. No, you didn't. You got an email address that I wanted you to get. Why would you think I set it up? I set that up in the beginning like that because I'm aware of my security processes and how they work, right? Yeah. So it's all about understanding that stuff and understanding what our individual need is with data and how should, we can Should use people it. have their uh, their banking apps on their phones? Uh, yeah. It, you know, a big tier one bank spends an absolute fortune on making that app safe, Okay. okay. If you get caught because of your bank, your bank are going to stand on it because they're a reputable company yeah. that has been around for centuries that has the backing of the financial government yeah. institutions behind it, Got it that enables you. It's not cryptocurrency that's not regulated and stands on nothing that tomorrow can drop like that. Yeah, and this is what people don't understand about this stuff. They're getting, oh, I'm a crypto investor. Oh, yeah? Oh, that's great. You uh, Money off of it. But you, what have you got? You swapped your, your readies you swapped regulated stuff for non-regulated stuff. Mm -hmm. You took a risk. Mm -hmm. That's a gamble. Mm -hmm. No matter what you say, that's a gamble, mm -hmm. yeah? Like, so I like, I, I, I don't like crypto. I don't play in that world because I understand the darkness of that market and I've been criticised over the past for saying that, but it's just a reality. You know, like, and anyone who wants to ever see anything about it, come and I'll show you how dark it can be if you want, Yeah because there's lots of bad things bought on that, and I don't wish to make money, because I change. Well, that thing happened the other day, the didn't it, with Ethereum? There was people buying Ethereum that disappeared into an account that was nothing. Yeah. I, I've had it with mine, okay? So a lot of fake accounts have been set up on the back of my mind, because I talk about investing and money on my social media. Mm. So these accounts, you know, my account is Spencer.Lodge on Instagram, for example, and there's been Spencer.Lodge and a million variations. They then reach out to all of my audience yeah. and say and, and, and comment in my posts and then reach out to my audience and are essentially saying, um, Bitcoin deal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, some of those people respond to me and say, Spence, is that you? Yeah. And sometimes they respond to me and say, Spence, is that not your account too? And I'm like, it's not my account. Yeah. Oh, but I gave exactly. $2,000 exactly. to these people. And I'm like, well, who are they? Yeah. And, then, and then it's like, yeah, but Spence, that's your account. I'm like, it's not mine's got a blue tick on it. Yeah. But they still gave the two thousand yeah, because the guy sounded the messaging sounded like it exactly. was from me. Exactly, and that you know, like, look, crypto is going to become regulated, which is a great position mm -hmm. for it to be in, yeah. Because anyone who's serious about crypto will be thinking, oh, the regulation is going to be good because it can only be good for those of you that are already in it. Because the ones that are not going to like it ain't going to want to prove where their money's have come from, and mm. that's just the reality of it, yeah. But the ones of us that are decent, are hardworking, honest money into it. Why would you worry about it being regulated? Mm, it's only going to improve the service that we got. And it's actually quite funny. I, I find all these things quite funny. To think that we haven't, you know, we haven't had digital money. We've had it for ages. <laughs> Not many places are taking cash anymore anyway, are there? Most of us, even the shops that are taking cash, we tap. Wave pay. I, I'm here this week in London, okay? 
I remember for many, many years when I landed at the airport, I'd go to the cash machine, get three or 400 quid out yeah. to keep in my pocket to pay for whatever I needed to yeah. pay for. Yeah, don't need it now. I never, I, I don't need any cash anymore. No, the banks so have made it easy. I, 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 dangerous as well because we spend money like crazy because we just tap, 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 tap. And that's that's on, a, on its own a different uh, conversation. But we're not we're not using money in the way that, you know, we would count the readies out when I was a kid, you know, or your, yeah. your nan would put a fiver in your birthday card yeah. and you'd be like, as me fiver. Well, and you can actually see it. Yeah, it's got more value when you mm. hold it. You know, you're holding cash, you it's got go, more value. If you go to a pub and you order a round of drinks, yeah. do you remember, I don't mean you remember this, I'm 53, whip. so... Do, not in a whip. Oh. It was like, you, the, the bar would be busy. Yeah. You'd lean across the bar and you'd hold your note. Yeah. You'd kind of you crease it, it down now. the middle, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd and do you, it with a card you do what you can. Yeah. You'd, you'd hold your note. Yeah. And that round, let's say that round that you bought was, and you had a 20 quid, it was 21 quid. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, do you know? You know, you'd be scrambling around for a pound coin, yeah? Exactly. And you'd be like, God, that was expensive, wasn't it? Now. You don't see it. That's the thing. You don't that see twenty-one it. kid at quid yeah. is with your card we attack. Society, yeah. You know that's what it's all about, and like that. That's what, as a criminal, I I understood all that stuff. You know, I still understand all that stuff today of how you can manipulate all that because people, most people don't even check their bank statements anymore. Mm -hmm. Most people are not checking their bank statements. You know, like I go through mine regularly, and I'm horrified. Oh no, I spent that there. Like, and, oh no, like that come out of my account. You have apps that take money out of your account. It's yeah. so much like, you know, think of the amount of lost money that we get that we don't even realise is coming out. So we, we have every three months, me and my PA sit down and go through the money that's coming out on apps yeah, yeah. and cancel them and whatnot. Yeah, that, because the What did we ever sign for there? How did I get that? Well, I know, but you've signed up to something in the yeah. background that you didn't realise you signed up. 6 99 a month. 6 99 a month. You just didn't realise it. Unless you go into your apps and scroll down permissions and go subscriptions, yeah. you'll see, oh, Wow. No, it's quite, uh, you know, it's another good one to work It's work another out. one, the, 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 the restaurant scam. Uh, so you go to a restaurant, let's say there's me and you, and let's say there's six of us, we go for dinner. Yeah. Okay, a couple of bottles of wine, nice evening, no, nothing loud, rowdy, just nice evening, nice steak and chips or whatever, yeah? And we leave the restaurant and we call the bill. Yeah. And the bill comes and there's, there's three blokes and three ladies. Yeah. And so the three blokes, so we'll, we'll just split it, yeah. okay? The first person grabs the bill yeah. and let's say the bill is 300 pounds. Yeah. Okay, it's 300 quid, 10% tip, that's 30 quid, 330 quid. So it's 110 each, all right? Yeah. You all right with that? You all right with that? Yeah, fine. We all chuck our cards in the middle. Yeah. No one really checks the bill. Yeah. And that bill could be 300 pounds, yeah. but it could be 300 pounds because they put four desserts on them when we only had two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and when there's a bunch of sides that wasn't included or they put a more expensive bottle of wine. How often would you pick up my the bottle of wine I ordered and go, Spence, oh, that's a, that's a, the Cabernet Sauvignon, but you ordered the Merlot that's 20 quid yeah. cheaper. Yeah, I mean, that you know, they happen, but they're obviously those sort of scams are in much lower capacity. That happens every single day. You've got day. more of a chance of someone going, in the UK, a, a dodgy roofer telling you that you've got a dodgy bit on your roof and I need to get up there and have a look and then charging you an absolute fortune than something like that happening you know like you've got so many you know my wife works in a big retailers and um she was telling me the other day that they've got this guy that's going around for itch cream itch cream for his feet right so he walks in with two itch creams now each itch cream is 30 quid right or 20 what's quid. itch cream itch cream you know like for your toes if you've got something wrong with your foot so as he walks into the store, he's taking off his sock and his shoe, going, look at what your cream's done to my foot. Look at what your cream's done to my foot. Socially engineering them in a moment. And now she's in a position where she has to give him a refund because the creams that he's got, yeah. he's saying has got from the store, but he's got no receipt. Right? So then she 
gives him the refund. The geezer walks out the door and steals on the way out two more packets of the foot cream. And then he goes into another store and he does the exact same procedure. And so there are thousands of these types of things. Okay, well, I, 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 I've got to up to the scam then that I did once. <laughs> when I was a kid, we lived in a place called Southwood and Ferris. I was really young. And across the road to where we lived was an Asda. Yeah. And I went into the Asda and, and uh, high tech trainers. So it's like, it wasn't like I was in fancy Nikes and whatnot. Yeah. And I've seen the high tech trainers and they've got the prices with the price gun. Yeah. And the price was $7.99. Yeah. Let's say. So I go and pay $7.99 for them. I don't have the receipt, but I've also picked up a price tag of $13.99. Yeah. All right. And I've put that onto the thing, taken the $7.99 and put that on. I go out of the t- Asda because I'm paying $7.99, go back to customer services at the front 20 minutes later and say, these don't fit. My mum says, yeah. and I'd get my $13.99 back yeah. from my $7.99 purchase. Yeah. So I did that once. Okay. I came out of the Asda yeah. and I thought I was I was a criminal genius. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> and called I, refund fraud. <coughs> huh? It's called refund fraud. Okay. Refund. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. So then I went. Again, I'm probably 12 years old. I can't remember, 13 years old. Yeah. I then go back in an hour later, yeah. do exactly the same thing. Yeah. And the lady says to me, yeah. do you not come in a little while ago with this problem? Yeah, like yeah. That. And I'm yeah, yeah, but these were for my mum. And my mum my said, and she went, come with me. Mm. And they took me up to an office out the back. Mm. And they said, give us your phone number. We're going to call your mum. Yeah, yeah. And obviously my world collapsed in those five minutes yeah. and I got a load of Because you're not a real shit. criminal. Because a real criminal would have gone, go away, mate. Bye, I'm off. Ah, okay. Like, why would you go with them? Who are they? Yeah. But as I said to you, criminals get taught things as they're growing up. Yeah. You know, like, you're not taught that. You come from a different background, so it's different. It's a great thing that you worked out. Um, So there are, you know, companies struggle with that. If you're a big, massive retailer that has multi-layered flooring, you know, criminals, shoplifters walk in, just pick stuff up, put it in a bag, and walk straight up to the counter. Can I get a refund? And it happens everywhere your mistake was you went back to the same one you know you move out you don't stay in your same area See, I don't know. you go out and you move out <laughs> and that's what criminals do that's why they're you know loss prevention guys look at all different layers of how they're being targeted from train lines to bus routes to taxi routes to all of that stuff because it's really important to understand the risks that you face in a business above it. If you're looking at it from a you know a top position, you can see where all of the issues come from. You know, it's so easy. T- t- tell look when I when I think about your story, you know, we've gone through this. The, the, you've you've grown up in an environment. You've become a criminal. Um, you've you've been on the run. You go to jail. You're your your kind of transformational moment is your son crying as he mm. sees his dad and he's ashamed and you're ashamed and all that kind of stuff. And it's like now time for change. And then you've gone on to create a business and a success story by trying to help others make sure that people can't do what, what you were doing to them, essentially, all those years ago. You must be really proud and pleased with the progress that you've made and how your world has evolved. I can't even think about it. Why would I think about that? We're not done. But you'll never be done. No, no, no. There's a whole load of stuff to be done first. Yeah, we can't think about success. I hate all that success. Do you? Stuff. Yeah, I hate it when people go, do you? You must feel really proud. I'm like, I ain't done nothing. What are you going on about? I'm just being me. Like, <laughs> no, stop saying that because it's not about that. Yeah, all I'm trying, because, you know, all but I'm if you were to, to work out how back. much you'd saved companies over the course of the years you've been doing it, the, the numbers are in the millions, I'm sure. Yeah, easily. But, like, it's, you know, that's the business part of it. 
yeah, that's just what allows me to do things like this, to be relaxed enough that I can earn money for my family legitimately mm-hmm. and not have to worry about looking over my shoulder every five minutes. Am I going to go to jail? Is this going to happen? That side of the business allows me to be me. You know, like, it's a, I love, look, I carved, what I love about it is I carved out a role that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I rob banks basically for a living. Right, it's quite a unique thing to do. <laughs> I'm really bloody good at it, yeah. Um, and over the years, I've only got better. And because now I understand the processes that these guys have got in there, I'm a lot better at showing them of where they can get better at stopping stuff. Right, that's just the business aspect of it. The other side of what I do is underworld TV that I don't really talk about, but that's really the big boomer in the background that allows everything else to happen. Okay, talk to yeah. me about it. Talk to me so about it. Underworld is is mine and Adam's baby. So Adam and I, who's my business partner, my main business, well, not my main one, but Another. He's, he's the guy that I started everything with, yeah? So Adam and I started We Fight Fraud and we also started Underworld. It all starts when we, me and him just got on with like brothers, yeah? And like, he's just, he's older, he's a couple of years older than you, but he's just so clever. He's got that, he's the most, fantastic human you could ever wish to meet. Yeah, he's just got this beautiful nature about him that allows any situation, no matter how stressful it is for us to talk about things. And so we, and because he believes in me and he, he, he's he got the capability to make what's in my mind happen, um, he's made things happen that have been amazing. So I got to make a show for, I started on a journey with a guy, you can still see this on YouTube. It's called um, Sorry I Shot You. And it's about a young gangbanger from uh, Leytonstone called Dean Stanner, Dean Stanbury. Dean Stanner Stanbury, yeah, he's a great rapper. I love Dean, yeah, amazing guy. Like, again, changed his life around out there trying to do so much stuff for the kids and really push a, a narrative. But when you learn about Dean's story and why he's in the position, it's the same problem that we've always spoke about. There's lots of trauma there, yeah? Mm-hmm. That would then move on to another show that I made for Channel 4 called uh, What Makes a Murderer. And... What Makes a Murderer is a look at three convicted murderers, all of whom have spent time. Britain's longest-serving murderer, John Massey's in there as well, uh, another guy called Anthony Powell and a guy called Paul Aldridge. Yeah, so all three of the contributors spent, you know, over 20 years in prison. John spent over 40 years in prison. Um, when you realise, oh, look, look at the trauma's kids look at all the same stuff that I've got, all the same areas. You know, we're, to this day, we're still all friends. I still talk to all three of them regularly. I, I still have regular catch-ups with all of them. Um, I try and help them as much as I possibly can. Um, and they try and help me as much as they possibly can because when you understand the journey of those people, and that goes back to what it's all about, it's not about me. It's about, I want to show you other people to show you where this problem is. And I'm, if we really, as a society, if we really want to impact on crime, yeah, because as a society, all of us want to do that, whether you're criminal, gangster, gang, whatever it is that you're in, as society, surely we all want to get better. Because every day now when I wake up is all I want to do is be better than what I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's all I've got. So as long as we're doing things like that, you can impact and you can start to create a little bit of change, you know, a little bit of whatever, a little bit of where you're going. But you have to get to the people that have the power to get the change, you know, and that takes time. It takes processes. It takes understanding because they're not just, they don't just let anyone at the table. Yeah. You've got to be conforming to how they want you to do it. And you've got, and I'm quite awkward with certain things. <laughs> I don't want it to be done in that way because I know how we have to talk to the people like me. 
because you couldn't talk to me before. Mm. I'm not even sure that I could go and talk to my old self. You know, like, it's a real skill. Like, um, so again, all you can do is show them the possibilities of where you could go, the bad side of what it might look like on the bad side. But over here, moving up, there's so many opportunities for you if you really want to take note. This is the time. Right now is the time for all of these kids because of the way the media is trying to make it better. You can get in, go and try and be something different. Companies will accept you. They want to know, they want to see you. And that's how you can start to get better as a society. This country is so divided here. Yeah, we're a mad divided country, considering we're, a, we're the, probably the most multicultural country, one of them on the planet for sure, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's divided. What sort of behaviour is this? How are we humans? We're not even interacting properly with each cultures. With everyone, we should all be doing this stuff and we're just not, yeah? And all the time we're divided, we're ruled. We're governed. We're you know, we have to lose all that and we've got to be part of what we can truly be if we really want to move forward as society. And I think that, you know, in the past, it was hard to get to those positions, but the movements of things, you know, the, the middle classes are definitely more interested in how they can help um, and get involved and try and make things happen, yeah? Because I've seen it. I've, I've been privy to some of these conversations in the past that I've heard where they're trying to do stuff. So, And there's lots of great stuff being done by great people out there to help impact these levels of crimes. But the reality of all of it is we just need to understand each other better. And if we understand each other better, then perhaps we can get a better movement over here. Because until we do, we haven't tried that. We've tried everything else. Mm -hmm. We haven't tried it. Why? No, it just doesn't make sense mm. to me. So like, these are things where I think the impact can be done. Not by people saying, I'm going to teach kids and I'm going to show kids and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, it's me, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, this, like all that stuff. What have you done? Like, where are we going with all this stuff? And like, if you're only in it for yourself, you're only going to get yourself somewhere you're not going to take the whole other people or get them to a place where they need to go let them go first like push that you know i don't push myself in the limelight like a lot of people do yeah like i got i got approached a couple of weeks ago by shine tv right mm -hmm. shine endemol yeah doing a tv program on prison would you like to go in prison for nine days so you can talk to uh mps and i said i already talked to them why would i need to go into a prison and what are you going, you're going to pay me for this? And they said, oh, no, we're not paying no one for it. So I said, so hold on a minute. You want me to go back to an extremely traumatic experience, go into it, give you myself and everything, but I'm not worthy of being paid. What's that? Like, how much giving do you expect people to do? And how much, like, when you come from nothing, when you, clear, when you don't have anything, when you've got no money, and a lot of these people that they try and get into these shows, they don't have nothing, so they dangle the fame carrot. Yeah, but they're just going to get used. They'll be used by how they get used, and I'm just not willing to do that because there's, you know, I'm not willing to sacrifice what I really stand for. It doesn't matter, you know. Change will happen in the right way, not because of how it's done and how people think they're going to create change. It's just it's not like that. So we have to just get better at understanding that, I think, and understanding what we are as people, you know, I, I hate the label, you're a convicted criminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, you know, man-made words, man-made rules. I'm a human. You know, people say to me, where'd you come from? I say, earth. What? I, I don't, what? I said, I'd done a really funny one the other day. I was on a call and I said to this guy, I've read this book. Oh my God. It's got, oh my God, this book's amazing. And he was like, what, what book is it? 
I said, uh, I don't know the name of it. I said, but it's like, it shows you a load of lines across land and roads and all these lines that go everywhere. And you went, what? I said, oh, hold on. It's called the A to Z. <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. Yeah. Because I said, you know, the A to Z is a perfect example of how man decides what we're going to name and divide up and carve up this bit, give this person that, that person that. That's greed. We're going back around on the Monopoly board. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not stupid. I don't see, I, I don't fall for that because I know that, oh, hold on, that's just a myth. That's a big, scary myth, yeah? Mm. I'm a person. I'm a human. I've I, I done stuff because I'd suffered. It's not an excuse. It happened, yeah? yeah? I didn't ask for any of it to happen. If I would have been born in different circumstances, I've got experts, doctors, professors that tell me if you was born in a different circumstance, you'd be in government, mate. But the evidence I got on something similar to that was when we did our work on human trafficking and Homeland Security and the States were on the podcast and they, they said that 500,000 kids a year go missing in America. 75% yeah. of them are from the foster care system. Yeah. And that, that, that's the easy upbringing. Pickings. Of, yeah, easy pickings. Then we had um, all of the schools in Canada, the, 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 the indigenous people of, of Canada, so the Inuits, yeah. had all their kids taken away and put into these schools. And these schools were then run by Catholic priests and nuns. And there's 1,400, one no, sorry, there's, there's 1,400 schools and they've already dug up, okay, something like 600 shallow graves of these kids that were that were, were were killed and the memories of the brothers and sisters that had to bury their own their own siblings mm. okay took place we then get we i mean the, the one the one from a human trafficking point of view that really gets me is people do, people don't understand the Rotherham and the Rochdale stuff that took place a few years ago mm. all of those kids from from care homes yeah and so there's there's clearly there's clearly a, a connection to to this problem that isn't isn't being solved. These traumas that young people face and they go through this life that they lead, live. My my example is in really simple terms, not criminal. When I, when I was seven years old, my mum and dad got divorced, mm. and my dad left. Okay, and I said to myself, never will I ever get divorced if I get married. Mm. Okay. My dad was married to my mum for six years. I was married to my wife for five years. Mm. I repeated exactly the same thing. Learned behaviour. Learned behaviour, that's right. And so you, you you can't help, you know, but try and unlearn that. And you don't necessarily unlearn that until you're much older and much wiser until you could recognise that it is what it is. And you're going to beat yourself up madly when you're younger. Yeah. Like, you can't help it. You beat yourself up, yeah, without realising that, look, I shouldn't really be building myself up. I should learn and understand that, ah, uh, look, that's why I'm like that. Of course it is, yeah. And even when you realise it, I'm winding it and actually talking about it. Actually happening. So on what makes a murderer, before the contributors go in and do anything, they um they have to go through a process, yeah. So like um like nowadays, because of all the stuff that's happened on TV, yeah, with all the backlash of things that happen, you have to have a really good process in place, uh, aftercare team, yeah? And you have to have processes, like you have to go on courses to because you're going to be dealing with these people. So the psychologist, I said, I'll go through all the tests because I'm the, I'm the only criminal on the team, the ex-criminal on the team of producers, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, I'll go through the test. And then after afterwards, the, unbeknown to me, the, the girl that, put me, that I was talking to, she went to the other producers and the executive producer and Adam, who was an executive producer, and she said, um, I think I've just triggered some trauma with Tony. You need to watch him. 
Yeah. So Ad comes straight to me and was like, you all right? Because he's like, my brother, are you all right? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, don't be stupid. What's she getting on the back? She's like, Wally, I've dealt with this thing my whole life. And then on the train, me and, me and the other producer, Felon, yeah, who's amazing. I love Felon. Yeah, she's a great producer. We're going to see John and we have to get a train from Old Street up to John's at Camden. And um, on the train, we're talking and she just, I just get the right hump. And she's just, where all this stuff has come out, she says one thing, I'll just go mental at her, yeah? Like, just go, ah, just start saying, she's like, because she knows what's happened, they've told her. Yeah. She's aware of it, but we got off to say, she went, got that off your chest? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm half crying and everything. Because, like, it's mad when you trigger it, yeah? You know, no matter how tough you think you are, yeah? Went, like, I don't mind, I'll cry anyway, I don't care about all that, yeah? I'm like, like, I'm happy with who I am and the emotions, you can't help them from coming out because they're, problems and trauma that's making its way out of, uh, out of my body that I need to get rid of, yeah? So when that stuff happens, um, I was just like, oh my God, Felon, I'm so sorry. Oh no, like, it's the realisation of, damn, I messed up, yeah? And like, knowing that that's just triggered it, not being able to soothe it for all the years previously to mm, that, you yeah. idiot, I should have just gone and dealt with it years ago. Yeah. Because once I let that go, Woo, I can start talking like I'm talking now. I weren't like this before. I was I was more reserved and more calculating about what I would say. Whereas now, I don't care. I've let it go. I've got no worries about any of it. I don't care what secrets come out because I'm put, I'll am i put them all out there. It's irrelevant to the situation. I wrote a book and put the whole lot out there in my book. Yeah, beat that. It's like what Eminem does in that thing. Yeah, tell them something they don't know about me and he drops the mic. <laughs> That's the best way. Because then if you tell everyone everything, it's all out there for everyone to see. Yeah. Yeah. Judge me now. Like, and, and that... that and there's, I, also, there's also a great, a great sense of... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When, when, when you do that... Relief. <laughs> yeah, relief is a great word <laughs> yeah. to use as well. It's yeah. just like, like the, 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 when there's no lies. Yeah. You yeah. Could, no, nothing can be caught out, you know? It's like the guy that's, you know, having, living the secret double life with two wives or having the affair and whatnot, and he's got to constantly cover up his steps and whatnot. Yeah. Gets to a point where it's just like, ugh, <clears throat> it's too much, it's too much. Yeah, I mean, Abingdon was, you know, going back to him, you know, he's got the exact same thing. His mum has an affair with a guy that he then sees the affair happening and before you know it, he's got a sister that he don't know about. Yeah, like that is traumatising to a child. When like, And because the whole tax thing, I can kind of understand how his journey went, yeah? like So for me, when I watch Catch Me If You Can, going back to what you said, um, it was inspirational because like to see him, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah? like Because obviously later on we find out a few things about Frank that are not so good and not so cool. He's not. He's been told a few porky pies, which I think is hilarious. He's a fraudster. Of course, he's going to have told a few porky pies. If he's clever, I've told a few porky pies. And Who the reason hasn't? being is I don't want you to know the truth. Why would I want you to know the truth? You could crucify me with it. I have to change things a little bit. So Please give me some me. credit and understand what you're dealing mm. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's yeah, the yeah. reality of this thing. And he's done the exact same thing. So he can't, how can he? So I admire him for coming out. I understand how hard it must have been for him. And now, 10 years into my journey of all this loss prevention, I mean, it's a very different era. Yeah, it, you know, what I do is very different. It's similar because I can dip into his era, but he can't dip into mine. Yeah, this is like a totally different thing over here that he's not aware of, that he wouldn't know ours one. And he mm. wouldn't, couldn't, he, and plus he wanted the camera and the fame. Yeah, so like, you know, I constantly change myself, my image, like how I look all the time because I'm aware that I'm out there breaking into banks. The last thing I want is going into a bank. It happened to a guy from a bank saw another podcast that I'd done. It was like, 
sure you've come in. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I have to be really careful, yeah? So, um, hmm. but, uh, like, I respect what he's done and, I, and he was definitely inspirational to where... I wanted to go because he showed me more than anything that it's possible. Mm. Yeah, not because I'm an admirable of what he's done, mm. but more in the fact of, wow, what you've done, I could actually probably do. And can we bring it to modern day? And could we try this? But, you know, getting him, when the police want you, they come for you, mate. That's how it goes. <laughs> Tony, it's been, it's been a really an absolute pleasure listening to your story and loving the fact that you've got a mindset of trying to make an impact in a really positive and constructive way. And well, the thing that I like the most is like, well, don't, don't say success. We're not even done yet. Yeah. I really like that. That's so, true. Like, it is true. Yeah. But, but thank you so much for coming and sharing on the show. And I hope that everyone in Dubai, I know you've been there loads of times, but I hope Dubai, everyone in Dubai that amazing. listens to this, yeah. okay, watches this, finds a, 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 a new fondness for you. And, so. uh, and we'll welcome you with warm arms if you come over again. Great stuff. Thank you for having me, Spencer. Thank you. Thank you.